Mackey in my bedroom in Duluth, Minnesota, where yesterday was the first day of Minnesota's stay-at-home order. I'm a bit closer to being an actual idiot in quarantine every day. Darcy and I did a bunch of grocery shopping during the daylight hours, and by the time night was falling, the kids wanted it out of, wanted out of the house, too. The wind was blowing a gale off the lake, and we decided to go down to Canal Park to see some of the waves coming in. The grocery shopping and getting out for exercise are allowed under the governor's order, and with the exercise, at least, there was nobody else around. We walked out to near the shore in the wind and watched the waves coming in strong and fierce. A big laker ship was coming in ahead of the worst of the storm, and we were not in a good position to see it pass beneath the iconic lift bridge. We did hear its horn salute the bridge, though. When I started at the TV station here in Duluth, for the first year and a half, we couldn't afford to move from our house in Elk River. I worked Friday through Monday and had a sleeping room in a house in Superior, Wisconsin, at the foot of the Bong Bridge, as I used to say in podcasts. I worked until 1 a.m. those days. Sometimes, if I just wasn't all that tired, or if the Aurora forecast said there was a decent chance of seeing the Northern Lights, I'd drive around at night just to get out for a while. I'd get out away from the city lights, and one night I found myself so far up the shore I was entering the town of Two Harbors, and there I spotted an impressive figure a great tall man with a paddle and devilishly glowing red eyes. I discovered Pierre the Voyageur, a bit of one of my favorite quirks of Upper Midwest, a roadside attraction in a particular subset I call Really Big Things. A little further back, my family used to take annual road trip vacations, mostly to the Canadian Rocky Mountain Parks. From the Twin Cities, we'd travel up Interstate 94. Along the way, we'd see and occasionally stop at Really Big Things along the way. In Rothsay, Minnesota, they have the world's largest booming prairie chicken. In Jamestown, North Dakota, the world's largest bison bull. We'd often turn northwest at Jamestown to travel through Minot on the way to the border crossing at a town called Portal. But if we chose to go further west, just past Bismarck, we'd see Salem Sioux, the world's largest Holstein cow. I'm going to shift topics slightly here. Some of you will know where I'm going with this, and it will flow naturally, but for others it's going to seem weird. It's possible my calling out the odd transition is making it odder, but I've gone for it, so hold on. Not long after I started listening to Slice of Sci-Fi and winging it, I started making voicemail contributions. They had a voicemail line, phone line, but I'm a bit challenged by off-the-cuff speech, so I recorded my calls and sent them as files. Not sure how early days this was by the standards of the Dragon Page in all its iterations. There was a cast of folks who participated in the recordings. The hosts were Michael Armenege and Evo Terra, and there was Summer Brooks, Jack Mangan, and the man will all toast with root beer in a few days, Joe Murphy. The first file I sent was recorded on my iMac with very loud vent fans. When I cut it together, all the best sentences, the fans were spinning at different rates, depending on what clip I used, so Mike joked that it sounded like I was playing pole position while I called in. The guest participants began their own podcasts that I would listen to over time, like the Kick-Ass Mystic Ninjas, whose theme song Ninja by 7 Seconds of Love is still my ringtone, and Jack Mangan's Deadpan Podcast, which started with interviews and rapidly went collaborative with an assortment of zanies contributing unrelated thoughts, highbrow-lowbrow, dumbass memories, and lots more content of all sorts, from all sorts, myself included, could be found between the intro babble and the outro babble. Deadpan is the way. I had a short story about a fast food worker who had had enough called Quitting Time, 
that I had previously had printed in my friend Boo Jupiter's zine Crooked Finger. I also had a song in mind by my friend Mike Bryant's band, the G. Gordon Liddies, called Chicken, with vocals by his now-wife Cynthia Gould. I rewrote the story to be about a chicken restaurant, recorded it, added the theme song, and presented it to Jack. I was not at all certain he would be okay with including such a long contribution, and Jack had produced his own fiction, so I was equally unsure if putting someone else's story inside a show called Jack Mangan's Deadpan Podcast would be of interest. But he was enthusiastic about it, so I made my podcast fiction debut in episode number 17. Now, I've had various incomplete notions of longer stories and fantasies of novels for years, well back into high school, and many of them come from an interconnected set of non-works, well, yet to be works, I don't know, inside my head. I had a partial outline of one from when I was toying with the idea of participating in the three-day novel contest, where two guys travel across the country photographing roadside attractions. One of those characters was named Jeremy, a character from other bits of that unfinished work I mentioned, and coincidentally, the character in Quitting Time was also called Jeremy. It occurred to me they could both be the same guy, if I wanted. So, I talked to Jack about proposing an experiment. I would serialize the story using the deadpan as my venue of performance. I promised Jack that each chunk would last no more than about five minutes, ten at the very most. Jack thought it might be fun, and we were already becoming fast friends, who'd never met each other in person at that point. So he gave me a shot, and soon I was underway with... Really Big Things, a serial by Paul Mackey. It started out the day after quitting time with Jeremy waking hungover and half-dressed lying upon the spoon of the iconic Minneapolis sculpture Spoon Bridge with Cherry. Through various circumstances, Jeremy found it necessary to leave town with his old college roommate Chris, who was traveling to photograph roadside statuary for a book. It was a lot of fun to make. My recording technology was awful, but gradually improved over time. The story was hard to encapsulate, given my self-imposed time limitations. But I semi-regularly produced chapters through to the end. I also introduced one other novelty by having an unannounced cameo of one line read by someone else. Initially, it was other deadpan regulars, but I really had fun when I got J.C. Hutchins to read a line. Other early days of podcasting guest readers included Mike Menegay, Eve Otera, Summer Brooks, Jack Mangan, T. Morris, Mer Lafferty, and Scott Sigler and George Robb performing a transcontinental double act in which neither knew who the other reader was. It got used as an example in expert podcasting practices for dummies, and I actually finished it. I understand of course, that actually finishing a story is a low bar as far as writing concerns, but I take my victory as small. And it really got me full bore into producing podcast content, though a podcast of my own was still a long way off. Well, I'm going to head off for now. I think there's some baking for me to help with downstairs. See you tomorrow, and happy hunting!